The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. And today I just want to use this, uh, this title that's on our flyer, Share the Joy. And I want to talk a little bit about that, sharing the joy. We want to share joy in terms of even what Clive is doing there, having some mulled wine on his driveway outside. Let's hope it's not too freezing cold and people can enjoy the hot drink in any case. But they're doing something, sharing the joy of Christmas. You know, the dictionary tells us that joy is this. It describes joy as such. The emotion of great delight or happiness. And then it goes on to say, a source of keen pleasure or delight. That is what joy is. And then it says that joy is the expression or display of glad feeling. So when you have a glad feeling or something good's happening, you know what? Your face shows it because you're joyful. Something happens. You're not down in the dumps. You're showing it because there's joy in your life. Something has happened. And at Christmas time, we do want to share that joy. I mean, who doesn't want to have joy in their life? See the, see the reaction? Oh, I don't know whether I'm allowed to have joy. We want joy. We do want joy. We want to celebrate. We want to enjoy life. Life is here to be enjoyed to the full. And at Christmas time, it's a time when we want to have, have that joy being shared. We want to see the presents that we've spent time thinking about and not just rushed into a shop and bought. But those things you think, oh, I want to give that to that person. There is a moment of joy when they are unwrapping it and you're seeing it. Wow, that is what they wanted. That is the thing that they hoped for. There's real joy in being able to give presents like that. I know um, sometimes there's not always joy in giving presents. And certainly somebody in my household has indicated that a set of new saucepans wouldn't be joyful for her. <laughs> for me, even. I've, actually, I don't think it would be too bad. But um, there's some things we don't want to give. We want to have that time of sharing the joy, of seeing people open presents they want. We want to gather around a meal table and enjoy a meal together with people because there's fellowship, there's fun, there's enjoyment in that. There's joy to be shared at Christmas time. And we do want to share joy together. I have to mention, obviously, there's also reality about Christmas. You know those times when all this joy that I've been talking about doesn't quite occur because actually... That gift you bought was the wrong color, the wrong size. You know, it didn't fit. The batteries weren't included. It doesn't work. It, you've probably experienced some of those things. And that's the sort of, all right, that's not Christmas joy. That's like, Ugh. or that time when you did forget to switch the oven on. And suddenly, okay, everybody, uh, Christmas lunch is delayed by three hours. You know, that type of thing. Those things happen as well. But, you know, sometimes that's just all about Christmas. But you know what? The joy that we're talking on this card, sharing the joy, it does include some of the things that I've talked about already. But it's something different about this. And I want to talk about the joy that we are really seeking to share this Christmas time. Let's just break into the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 12, read like this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You know, I'm guessing it was a fairly average night in the fields around Bethlehem. The shepherds were there, as usual, watching their flocks, making sure all of the sheep were safe, keeping an eye out for any particular dangers as far as the sheep were concerned, probably discussing amongst themselves how busy it was in town. I mean, there's this census going on. Oh, my goodness. And you can just imagine they're, they're discussing the fact of what's going on because we tend to do that, don't we? We just sit down and we, we talk about the things that are happening around us or the events that are happening around us. You can almost sense that that was going on. In fact, actually, as you talk about it, you can also sort of almost smell the fire if there was a fire there, or you can hear the, the noise of the animals around. You can sense that scene. And there it was, normality, but suddenly there's this light that shines. And it's like a searchlight has come on and been switched on, and suddenly everything is bright. You've got to put yourself in the story here to see the things that are changing. Suddenly you're doing something, you're talking about everyday things, and then there's this great big light, and what's going on? And everybody will be turning around, and there'll be some sort of confusion going on like that. And then there's this angel. I mean, do we know what angels look like? I, I, we're expecting wings, we're expecting white, we're expecting, you know, fluffy headbands and all sorts of things like you see in a, in a, in a nativity scene. But do we know what angels look like? Suddenly there's this angel, and this angel is speaking to them. I think the angel had their attention. It says they were terrified. But the angel, naturally, as angels do, and I'm glad this, uh, if you do see an angel, he's most likely to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because he had to speak to them. He's saying, guys, don't be afraid. This is, I've got some wonderful news for you. Some great news. News that will cause you great joy. It's going to be great joy for all people. Today, in Bethlehem, just down the road, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. Why not go and have a look for him? Because you will find this baby wrapped in cloths, and he's going to be lying in a food trough of where the animals eat. And the angel, then he doesn't go because they're suddenly singing. But the angel's message and its understanding is the joy that we really want to share this Christmas. That's what we want to talk about. That's what we want to seek to share with other people. I don't think the shepherds fully understood everything that was happening around them. I think it was like, <laughs> what has happened? But they had been told the truth. A saviour had been born, and he was the Messiah. Now, don't forget, for the Jews, they've had like 400 years. Like 400 years ago was the last time God came and specifically spoke to us through his prophets. 
It seems like ages ago. And what we're waiting for, we're waiting to get away from the oppression of life. We're waiting to get away with the limitations of life. We're waiting to see these Romans overthrown. We're waiting for this Jewish Messiah to come to us, to help us. It's been written and we are waiting for him to come. And now suddenly the announcement had come from heaven. He's here. He's here. The Savior has been born. He's going to bring great joy for all people. He is the Messiah and he's come. It's truly a momentous situation. The the shepherds would never have realized that they would have been spoken of from that day forth around the world. It truly was a momentous day. And you know what? The joy of that day is momentous for us too. And it should captivate our hearts. Heaven, heaven had come to earth on that day. God had sent his son down to earth to be our savior. At this point, the greatest rescue mission that has ever been had begun. Because God had acted and now that rescue mission was underway. And when we receive this news... It is joy for us. It's momentous news for us. We have to understand, even though when I'm speaking these things in a few moments, it's not really going to hit us. But this is the truth. We were in a desperate situation. Truly desperate situation. But the good news has come to rescue us from that desperate situation. Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 2 describes the position that we were in before we received Jesus as our Savior, the position that everyone who has not received Jesus as Savior, who just lives their life just like carrying on, enjoying Christmas, getting ready for all the festivities, they're involved in all of those things. Not that those are bad things, but without Jesus, this is the situation. As for you, Paul writes, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's where we were. Ephesians 2 and verses 4 and 5 now. But because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Praise God. That's the good news that has come to us. But Paul also writes to the Colossians, Colossians 1, 13 to 14. For, he says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. If we are going to share the joy, I know it seems strange, you need to understand what we're being saved from or what the joy is. If you want to give tell to people about salvation, you need to understand what are we going to be saved from? Why do we need to be rescued? And anyway, can't we just get out of it ourselves? I mean, you know, we could do most things in life, can't we? We need to understand the position of every man, woman, and child without Jesus is this. They're lost. They are dead in their sins. Dead. You know, you don't get any life from a dead person. I know we don't like to think of these things, but when someone's dead, their life has gone. They're unresponsive. That's how we're being described. We're unresponsive to God. 
There's nothing that happens. There's a lack of response. And not only were we in that position of being dead and unresponsive towards God, it says that we were under the dominion of darkness. There's a controlling force that is over us. That's the position that people are in. Now that position doesn't mean to say they don't have money. Doesn't mean to say they can't go out for meals. Doesn't mean to say they don't have family. Doesn't mean to say they can't have a Christmas tree. Doesn't mean to say they can't put Christmas lights up outside their house as well as inside their house. It doesn't mean those things. It just means in terms of relationship with the one who can give them life, they know nothing about it. Well, can't we escape? No, you see, if you think there's something that we could do to escape this, you're wrong. That is why those shepherds were interrupted by that angel to tell them God's greatest rescue mission has just begun because he is the only one who could come to rescue us from the dominion of darkness and to forgive us for our sins. Now, at Christmas time, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the manger. We're talking about the baby, and the baby's here. But, of course, Jesus came that he might die. That's just the beginning of the story. But he came to set us free. He came to rescue us. You know, sometimes we tend to think that when we come to church, we're doing God a favor. Hey, look at me. I've come. Aren't you pleased I'm here? Look at how good I am. Look what I'm doing. There is a sense, and you don't have to admit to this. I can admit to it. I know there's a sense within us that sometimes we feel like we're doing God a favor. We don't... I, That's completely wrong. And you know what? It's not even as though God has done us a favor. Because what he has done is far more than just a favor. He's done the only thing that he could do to rescue us because there was nothing that we could do to rescue ourselves. Our position was not just a challenging situation. Just like, oh, it's a bit of a challenge. No, 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 no. Our position was not just a hopeless situation. Our position was that we were dead in our sin, and that we were under the dominion of darkness. Only Jesus could come. And he came, yes, in that humble way, so that nobody could say he came at a level that was above them. He came at the bottom so that he could reach everyone. Born in the back of nowhere, placed in an animal's feeding trough, the son of the most high God, had come to rescue his creation. That is what we celebrate at Christmas. And that joy. You know what? In, in Matthew 6, it talks about uh, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. It's talking about um, don't worry. And he's saying, don't worry. Don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. So I'd better just repeat that because at this time of year, these pressures come upon every one of us. So we might as well repeat something that is worthy. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your Christmas, or no, about your life, about what you're going to eat on Christmas Day or drink, or about what you're going to wear on Christmas Day. It's just talk, the scriptures talk to us about where we are at. We get far too religious. He is interested in our life. And he goes on to say, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? 
You see, what we're sharing, we're sharing the joy of Christmas. We're sharing the fact that people like to come to church at Christmas. We're sharing these invitations and giving them out where we can. I had to go to the chiropractor this week and just to get sort of like things put back into the right place. So I went in and gave the, this uh, woman a card. She says, hey, if you'd like to come to a carol service. And she's probably thinking like, what? But I just gave her a card. And I could walk away afterwards and then it's done. Do you know what I mean? In fact, I gave the receptionist one or two and she looked a bit strange at me. Folks, people are going to look at you a bit strange. People are going to look at you a bit weird. But when you know you're coming to introduce them to God's greatest rescue mission, they're talking about having happy Christmases. They want everything to go smoothly. Don't we all want life to go smoothly? Don't we all want to enjoy as much as we can? Because it's lovely to have a family time. It's lovely to celebrate together. It's lovely to share the joy together of Christmas. But listen, Christmas lasts for basically one day. Well, okay, two days. In fact, we try to extend it out. In fact, because we've got our decorations now, we're trying to extend it out as much as we possibly can. But it comes to an end. But the joy that we're seeking to give to people is seeking to bring the transformation of their life from the moment they receive it for the rest of their living time here on earth. And it affects the destiny of their life after they die on this earth. You see, that's what Jesus is saying. Is not life more valuable than food or what you wear? Yes, it is. Because this is transformation. This brings transformation to you. You know, there's a woman in the Bible called Rahab. We don't always think about people wanting to receive Jesus, do we? Now, we're in church. We're used to it. We get used to this. We're, okay, we've got the decorations up. If you were here last year, you've seen some of these trees before. Oh, it's that time of year. We go through that type of thing. We don't always think that other people want to hear the good news. But you know what? When you're living your life and you're empty and you have nothing, it's not that you don't have possessions. I'm not talking about that. You don't have peace. You don't have joy. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever think back to what life was like for you before you met Jesus? Now, for me, it's a bit difficult sometimes. because, I, As a younger boy, when I prayed with my dad in my bed, I believe that's when God first came into my life. But when, later on, when I was a teenager, okay, was I saved at that point? Or what? God was working on my life. But I know this, I didn't have peace. I kept going to these church services and hearing people preach about the gospel. And every time I heard the gospel, I wanted to repent because I wanted something in my life to take away that feeling of, of uncertainty. People outside of here live with an uncertainty. Before you met Jesus, did you have that uncertainty? What is it you were looking for? Think back to that time and think of two or three things that were going on in your life at that time. Things that you were wrestling with. Things that you didn't have. I didn't have peace. I didn't have security. I wanted to know God. I wanted to find out about creation. I don't know what it was for you. But think about those things. And then think maybe of just two things that have changed in your life now. Sometimes you think, well, what, what are all these things? I have peace. Now that's true. I have peace. I do not go worrying about if I'm going to die tonight, what's going to happen to me? I'm not saying there won't be consequences and people around me being affected, but if I was to die tonight, I am going to go to heaven to be with him and I'm going to go to his presence. That brings peace. 
You know, sometimes we just need to think about what happened beforehand and what two couple of things have changed now. That is testimony for you that you can release to any person. You know, before I met Jesus, I used to be afraid. But now that I have met Jesus, he's brought peace to my life. Finished. But that didn't include all the gospel. That didn't include, listen, you don't have to include everything. You're giving people something that tells them that Jesus can make a difference to their lives. We can all do that. The enemy wants to hold us so that nothing comes out of our mouths. He wants to hold us in fear to think that if we were to give out a card, somebody's going to throw it in our face and yell, you horrible Christian at us. Now, if that did happen, we should just say, praise the Lord that I'm being rebuked because I serve him. Folks, we just need to be able to release these. Please, can you think of people, even now, that God can lay on your heart? There is that person Maybe it is your next door neighbor. Maybe it's just a friend who lives down the street. Maybe it's the person you see at the bus stop on the way to work. Maybe it's the person, the barista that, who serves you coffee every morning and they know your order because they, the sandwich shop where you get lunch from. I don't know. You don't have to know them. You just have to say, I'd love to invite you to this. I went into Metro Bank because there's one of the managers there that I know because several years back, somebody came into the shop once and they threw petrol because they got so upset about something that happened with their bank account. They threw petrol in the store and they threw petrol over him and they got out a match and they were going to light it. Now, fortunately, nothing happened. But the police had to come and everything. And they used this building because they wanted to interview all the staff. And at that time, I got to met this guy, Joey. He just works in the bank there. I've invited him before, but I thought I need to go and invite him again. So I went in there. I went and bought some donuts and took them in there. Typical Stuart fashion. Stuart always knows how to get us with donuts. Bought some donuts. When Joey was in there, and I said, Joey, give these to your staff. I want to invite them all to our carol service. So I gave loads of these leaflets and spoke to him. I don't know whether he's going to come, but I'd love him to come. And if he does come, I want to make him feel special. But I know this. The more that we give these invites out, the more people that there are who are ready to receive them. God, we think, is all down to us, and we've got to be perfect. Forget that. It's all down to God, and he's already begun his rescue mission, and he wants to draw more people in. In fact, nobody can come to him. Nobody can come to Jesus unless God the Father is already working on them. Do you hear that? It's not about how well I or you could present this leaflet, or how eloquently we could speak, or how fantastically we could give a testimony, or something. God knows the hearts of people, and he is already working on hearts in a way that we don't understand to draw them to himself. He is at work. What we're doing is just saying like, by the way, I know that you created me, and I already go to church, and I know you. You could use me to give out one of these invitations. That's all it is. So God is already at work. No one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. And also this, there's plenty of people out there who are waiting to receive an invitation. Why do I say that? Because he himself has told us that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The workers are few. There's not many people who are prepared to go out and say, hey, I will stand with you.
to give out some leaflets. I will stand with you and work on the greatest mission, the rescue mission that you're involved with. I will go and work with that. And so we know that people are ready to receive. It's just that we don't know who they are. We don't know what they look like. We're hoping that some of them are the people that we're going to give them to, but we just don't know that. All we know is that the gospel, that is the news about this salvation that Jesus came to give, the gospel is the power of God, is the power of God. It's up to him. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. So therefore, we're going out, we're giving out our invitations, and uh, we're just going to see what God will do. But we're believing that God is going to do good things because he's interested in bringing people out of darkness into his kingdom of light. He's interested in transforming people's lives so that they may know him and have life with him. There's a lady in the Bible. Her name is Rahab. I was reading the story of her in uh, Joshua this week. She's in Jericho, and the Israelites are going to go and destroy Jericho. And Joshua just sends a couple of spies ahead to go and find out, hey, what's it like inside the city? And the spies go, and they find this woman, Rahab. They didn't know they'd go be finding a person who's looking for salvation. But she was looking for salvation. She was living her life in her normal context, in her, in her culture, in her world. And these Israelites came. And she was so looking for salvation and so looking to find out about God that she hid these spies. She protected them. And when her own king said, hey, they sent spies. Have they come to your house? In fact, we think they're at your house. She said, no, no. She kept them and preserved them and enabled them to escape. But she said to them, this is my language, not exactly hers, she wanted to find salvation. She did not want to be destroyed. She wanted to find salvation. And so the men, the spies agreed, because of what you've done for us, we will make sure that when we come and take this city, you will be safe. Oh, Actually, if you want to keep this bargain, please tie a red cord in your window. It's interesting to see that as soon as the spies went, she's tying the cord in the window. Just as I was reading this story, I'm thinking about this dear woman. But you see, we don't know the people out there who are looking for salvation. But they're looking to hear the news that will bring change to their lives. To protect their families. Our job is to go out and reach them so that they might find that they're saved. Father, we want to thank you for your goodness. We want to thank you for your kindness. We want to thank you that you have come on the greatest rescue mission of all to save us from our sin and to bring us back into relationship with you. Our prayer to you, Father, is that you will use our carol service. You will use us as your people, as agents, to see people coming to hear the gospel because we are believing that your gospel has power to transform and to save even today. Father, help us. Help us, Lord. Let faith arise in us and confidence that you have not changed. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can still save to the uttermost. So we're praying, Lord, Please come and bless. Bless the invitations that have already gone out to the homes around here. Bless the invitations that we are going to give out.
But please, Lord, enable us in this house to share the joy of salvation as you come and rescue people, bringing them out of darkness and into your kingdom of light. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com